What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Beast Mode Podcast. My name is Aaron Bees. I am a wife, a mom, a military veteran, and I spent 13 and a half years in multi-level marketing. I have healed my way out of it and continue to heal because I don't think you're ever, you don't ever reach the finish line with healing. It's always kind of a, an onion peeling back the layers. And uh, I'm using all of my platforms to help other people either get out of their MLM and heal or prevent people from joining MLM. So you will notice that I've had some really, really cool people on um, telling their stories, the different companies and different uh, anti-MLM people that are supporting the movement and, and bringing their expertise. And that is exactly who I have here today. I have Megan Williams. She is a licensed therapist. She is somebody that I have, I think, I can't remember if I connected with you through TikTok or Instagram or maybe both. I don't remember. Um, but she is a beautiful mama and, um, I love your focus of healing, which is kind of a theme here. So Megan, introduce yourself to everybody. Um, yeah, so I am a licensed therapist in the state of Arizona. Um, I have been in behavioral health since 2005. Uh, I have a variety of specialties. Um, I've worked a lot with substance use and addiction. I've worked with incarcerated populations. I've worked with juveniles. I've worked with all kinds of things. I also specialize in grief processing and pregnancy loss specifically. And um, in the last couple of years, I've added a lot of work around leaving high pressure groups and um, moving away from problematic belief systems that come out of hustle culture and the pressure that people feel to succeed. Um, because I feel like that's a root cause trauma that a lot of us have uncovered through um, throughout the pandemic in the last couple of years when everybody had to kind of pivot and make huge changes in their lives. Y'all, if that didn't get your attention for an intro, I don't know what will. <laughs> that is like all of the things that happens in an MLM. And have you been a part of MLMs before? Yes. So I spent, um, I spent about three years on the bottom rung of Senegence. Um, okay. And I joined never wanting to recruit. I wasn't even a hundred percent sure what MLM was at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm from the Midwest. So like MLM breeding grounds, um, groomed from a young age with, you know, Avon catalogs in the house. Oh, yeah. um, I'm from Ohio. So like Longa burger baskets were a huge thing when I was growing up. And I had no clue that was MLM until like earlier this year. And they would even take, classes from my school down to the Longaburger factory. Oh my God. The big basket shaped corporate office that oh still exists. Oh my God. I didn't even know that was a thing. You can look it up. It's pretty interesting. I did a, a mini deep dive on them on TikTok, but um, yeah, their corporate office, they built this huge building that looks like a gigantic picnic basket. And then when they shut down as they were for the incarnation that they were, they um, were trying to flip it into a high rise hotel and then COVID hit and those developers had to back out. So now the building still sits there, but there's nothing in it. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> lots of, lots of grooming happening. Right. And, um, yeah. and it, it just was one of those things that I never, I never really thought about. I never thought that it was a thing. I didn't really have, I wasn't, you know, vehemently anti MLM or I didn't, I just didn't know. Yeah. My mother didn't host parties. She didn't do any of that. She may have had some products here and there, 
um, in the Midwest, Avon Skin So Soft is like the premier mosquito repellent that mm-hmm. everybody uses, but I didn't know what that was, right? Yeah. No clue, no idea what was going on there. I think the, I mean, maybe we, this is a place where we can start, but I think the grooming that happens within these, what you, high pressure groups, cults, MLMs, you know, religious cults, those types of things. I think that the, the grooming is exactly, exactly what you said. I didn't realize, I, I don't know if you want to kind of speak on that, but I think the grooming is a very sneaky process. It normal, it's a normalizing. If I see the product in every day, it, um, it becomes just natural for me to assume that it's okay, especially if it's being used or promoted by somebody that I respect or I connect mm. with. Um, one of the other ways that they kind of normalize it is to groom, like there's grooming that happens outside of the MLM industry that benefits the MLM industry. And that is the, um, the misogynistic viewpoint of making women hate themselves. Oh, wow. Um, so the fact that, you know, a lot of the multi-level marketing companies are makeup or their health and wellness to lose weight. Mm. So yeah. we get trained to hate ourselves because we're not thin enough. We don't look in this enough. We, you know, aging is a problem and, and you should just want to cover up the fact that, you know, you're older and wiser and you lose your value as you age or you expand physically in any way, shape or form. So that's what kind of helps make this possible for people to swoop in and play on those insecurities because they're common. Those insecurities are commonplace. Wow. I guess I never thought about it in that way, but yeah. Yeah. When, and that's maybe that's where the, uh, the sharing of traumas and, uh, you know, the, the challenges around their, you know, relationships with food and the before and after pictures and the, I found something kind of, mm-hmm. you know, things that we see on social media, it's kind of tap tapping or tap dancing around some of those pain points that we feel as women, um, you know, not being a size two or, or whatever. So, wow, that's interesting. I haven't thought about it that way, but yeah, that makes um, sense. And especially, I, I mean, I'm in my forties. So growing up in the eighties and nineties, waif culture and, you know, the super, super thin, like even beyond the thinness of the seventies, like that super, super thin persona. And my mother who is five foot one, maybe 125 pounds soaking wet my entire life plays mm. tennis four times a week, massive athlete, amazing. You know, like she was constantly dieting. Yeah. Right. So like, these are the things that make it make make us more vulnerable to looking for quick solutions. And when you have a company that makes unrealistic claims about their products and what those products can do for you, and you want that instant gratification because quote unquote, nothing else has ever worked. Yeah. It just slides right in. And, and, you know, I, I, and I have a moment about it because I find it also very not coincidental that the majority of the CEOs and heads of these companies are men. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, they tout this false feminism, this false female empowerment, all while like completely stealing from women and their families. Yes. Yeah. If they're, I mean, steal, yes. Stealing time, energy, money for the products, money for, 
attending the events and, you know, indoctrinating them all over again. So they go back and they do even more work and spend even less time with their families because they feel guilty because they want to be successful. And their leader is telling them, yes, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. And they think they're making all the right moves, but when they really stop and step away from the chaos and that, that keeps coming up over the last few days, you know, the chaos, that's a tool as that smokescreen from preventing people from really seeing what it is that they're doing, what they're participating in. Stepping away from that is, is what allows you to say, well, am I really making progress? And we know that over 99% of people in MLMs are, are not making any progress. They're losing money, you know, or just flat out not making any money. So yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, you have, oh, things. sorry, go ahead. You're fine. I'm just saying, it's just one of those things that we don't, if we don't stop and think about it, cause you're kept so busy that you can't stop and think yeah. about it. Yeah. It's all right there. Yeah. And I, I can remember that when I started to kind of step away, um, it started with like not attending zooms. And I just remember feeling like I needed to step away from the noise my ears hurt. And I don't know how to, how else to explain that, but it was like, my ears were being filled with so much garbage, you know, um, so much of, you know, the dangling of the carrots and the, the corporate contests and the incentives and the pressure to attend all of the event events, both company events and, uh, the industry generic events and do this and do that and social media and all of the things. And it was like, I just needed to stop with the noise and I just needed to breathe for a second. So very interesting. You have this workbook. I want to talk about this really incredible workbook. It's called for those of you that are listening, cutting ties, healing after MLM. And I think that for those of you that have listened to my podcast for quite some time, you know, healing is my thing. <laughs> um, I talk about it. I've, I'm, I experience it. I have experienced it, especially after leaving the MLM. I didn't understand that there was other people like me at the time. Um, I didn't understand what the healing would look like. So I don't know. Tell us, tell us about this workbook. Um, so one of the things that, that was continuing to come up over, you know, my experiencing in the anti-MLM community is this idea that there's there's very little resources once we get out and a lot of a lot of what happens is, is people want to tell their stories and they want to learn all these things and they get sometimes people get stuck in the anger processing and and those kind of things and it's interesting because you know one of the the classic MLM taglines is, is you're just a bitter hater well, the reality is, is that if we don't know what to do with the feelings and the stuff that happened for us while we were inside these companies, yeah, we do become very bitter. We do become very angry mm. and we kind of let the rage consume us, but it doesn't help us move through it. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's a huge piece of where this came in for me. And um, this idea that it's a continuum, right? So like, my view of recovering and healing from my participation looks different from somebody else's. Mm. I wasn't a leader. I wasn't an anybody in the company by choice, right? I really didn't want to be. I was, I had a master's degree. I just wanted to make a little extra income doing something that had nothing to do with my career path. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and I just wanted to sell stuff. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do anything other than just sell stuff. Cool. The end. Right. Yeah. Um, so for me, I wasn't as indoctrinated necessarily as somebody who was viewing this as her only identity, her only ability to be quote unquote successful, um, to be more than where she's at in her station in life. And, um, so it, for me, it was that idea, like to let people know that it's okay to, to a, not be okay after these experiences and B that, um, sometimes our motivation to make change means that we have to fully understand what happened to us. And, and I've heard you, you talk on some other platforms and things about the fact that, you know, during the time that you started to step away, you did a lot of introspection, you did a lot of identity work and that's not what you call it, but that's what I call it. You did yeah. a lot of who am I and looking at this, this place where like, you're finally getting to these top echelons where you're supposed to be happy. Yeah. You're supposed to have all these things. All these promises are supposed to be coming true. And why am I still so miserable? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I remember, and it's funny because I've talked to so many people that, that are still a part of prove it, um, that are wildly successful. When you look at the income disclosure statement and you just look at, you know, the income that they're, that they're, that some of them are making, um, not all of them, but some of my, my friends that are still in, um, it's very interesting because there are so many that feel like failures, you know, and I, I find that very interesting. And I, I remember feeling that way. I remember feeling like I wasn't doing enough. I'm not good enough. I, you know, all of those things that are all in my opinion, weaponized to keep you kind of around the campfire. And so I had to kind of unpack a lot of that and I needed stillness and I needed quiet and I needed, you know, I, I just needed to be able to ask how I even feel because when you're mixed up in the chaos, I always think of the character pig pen mm-hmm. from the peanuts, how he has that kind of chaos. That's, that's how, how I felt in an MLM. And so understanding it's that I had every right to be angry, understanding that uh, it is okay to express that and it is okay to process that however long that takes and that it's okay to be mad about all of that, just all of it and allowing myself that time to process instead of kind of running from it and putting the face on and, and acting like everything is okay. Like MLMs kind of teach us all to do. So, yeah. And that anger, um, that's something that, that happens for the majority of trauma survivors. Um, and, and that's, that's another place where I specialize is, is in deep intensive trauma work. Um, and what happens is the trauma does two things, right? First, it tells us that we're not good enough. Mm. It gives, it creates that base shame. And then the narrative kind of spins in that shame. Um, and, and then when our self-worth and our true authentic selves are ready to to like, be like, no, you know, sit down, shame and shut up. We don't need you. Yeah. That's when the anger comes in. The anger comes from a place of self-worth that says I deserved better. Wow. That's, that's not something that I needed to walk through that I deserved to be treated differently, Yeah. that it is not fair that this happened to me or that it happened at all. Yeah. 
And I, I think that there is a, I don't know if subculture is the right term, but I think there's a subculture of people in MLM that it, for me, it took me a minute to realize that this was trauma. You know, I think that people define trauma differently. I think everybody is different when, when they're talking about traumas, obviously we can go to, to really traumatic, you know, uh, events, but when I think of my time, when I first started to kind of come out of it, I didn't, I didn't see it as trauma, but everything about my response and how I felt in the processing of that, I realize now is, is a, it was a trauma response. It was me healing my way. So I don't know if you have some advice for, uh, people that are in MLM, one that have experienced trauma and maybe this is just adding more to it, you know, the getting out of the MLM. So but also I, oh. I have a whole section in the book of, oh. but it doesn't feel like trauma. Oh, and by the way, you guys can't see that she's showing me this book, but she went right to this page, <laughs> which is why I'm going to go through this workbook. I just, I have not done it. I have it right here and I've looked through pages. It's incredible. You guys need to get it by the way. Um, so yeah, and, and I break down exactly what you're talking about, right? So when we think of trauma, when I say the word trauma, people think of big events, things that anybody could look at and say, you know what? Yeah, that is traumatic car accidents, assaults, um, sudden deaths, um, you know, significant grief processing, natural disasters. We can look at all of that and say, yeah, that that's traumatic. And that would impact anybody's psyche and their daily functioning. But there's these, what I call little T traumas and they're like little pinpricks. And it's, it doesn't do anything on the surface, but when you get enough of them over time, they build up and they create this gigantic hole inside of somebody's soul. Mm. Um, and there are things like being, being told systematically that you're not good enough, even though they're not coming out and saying you're not good enough. But when you say, you know, I'm trying everything and, and your leader's like, but are you? How many messages did you send today? <laughs> right. Or you go from being love bombed uh, and getting, you know, that dopamine euphoria from being love bombed to somebody not talking to you for a week and yeah. not responding to your messages and leaving you unread. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the biggest, and, and this is a complete other tangent, but just for an example, like since I worked in incarceration settings, when you call somebody by the, a number mm. and not by their name, or even just by their last name and you never humanize them, that's a trauma impact. Mm. Right. It creates shame-based self-talk. Um, and it, when we look at the, the structure of the way the MLM works, MLM creates trauma because it works off a lot of the same tenants, not just as cults, but as abusive relationships, emotionally abusive relationships. If you start dating somebody or start having a friendship with somebody and right off the bat, they're just a complete jerk to you, always insulting you, always treating you poorly, always leaving you out, you know, making fun of you, you're not going to stick around, right? You're just not. Yeah. And what, what will happen is, is that this person will try to develop the superficial relationship. And then they will find the pain point yep. and target it. 
and try to get you to identify with it. And, and I talk in the workbook and I, I'm really big on just in general, my advocacy talking about affinity fraud and this idea that um, you're playing up that I'm a safe person just because we have similar characteristics. Mm. Um, and one of the other ways that people abuse vulnerability and trauma inside of MLM is, is by sharing and trauma dumping themselves on social media and encouraging yeah. you to trauma dump on social media. It is completely inappropriate to talk about certain topics in public with people that you don't know um, unless you've done some work on the back end. But in all reality, it's still not the best thing to go into detail. And I see people go into intimate details yeah. about things. And I'm like, look, you want to talk about how you're a survivor of something horrific? Absolutely talk about that. Let people know they're not alone, but they don't need to know the morbid detail. Yeah. And that's what happens is people trauma dump. Um, and, and obviously there's, I can't remember which, which MLM it is right now. I try not to get too like crazy with the specifics and the drama, but there's one MLM that talks about having therapy group sessions oh, that's for the team. And I'm like, none of you is a licensed therapist. It's extremely inappropriate and dangerous. Spend. Right. And I'm like, um, that's just not okay. And unfortunately there's nothing we can do because people have hijacked the term therapy and therapeutic. Mm. Um, and I'm, and I'm kind of looking at doTERRA a little bit with that too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like all the coaches that we see on social media, the yeah. coaches that are, you know, I can help you in your multi-level marketing company or network marketing company. But when you really kind of dig deep, they were mediocre at best in their multi-level marketing company that they were a part of. And they saw that it was an opportunity. And in my opinion, these are people that prey on people that are already, I, I, I keep getting these visuals. So as you're talking about these little pinpricks and, and uh, I'm a very visual person, but as you're, as you're talking about these little pinpricks, I'm picturing a slow leak on a tire. Mm -hmm. I'm picturing a slow leak on a tire. And so as I see these coaches that are on social media, especially like, network marketing coaches that are, I can help you with social media. I can help you with this. I can help you with that. Um, I picture people that are taking advantage of that slow leak that are kind of, you know, making the hole a little bit bigger. So that tire goes flat a little bit faster. And then they move on to the next tire and then they move on to the next tire and then they move on to the next tire. And they're like, well, we got everything we could out of that. So now we're going to go on to another car. That, that That's the visual that I got in all of this. And it's that, it's just that that place where it, it just starts to degrade yeah. the fabric of a person's soul. And, and for me, it's very much like if you've ever thrown a, a shirt into the washing machine and it comes out and it has those little tiny holes in it now, like, yeah. especially around the belt line, which is common. Yeah. And then you don't know that it's there until like the right light hits it, mm -hmm. or you're taking the shirt off and you're like, Oh, that's yeah. what that is. Yeah. And that's what this healing process is, is like, there are so many times when I will sit with something. And, um, so I admin some groups, um, and I will start to have that almost kind of not panic, but I'll have that moment of, Oh, I have a really busy day. I can't check in with the group. Yeah. It is a Facebook group. It will live <laughs> if I don't approve your entry or your post. It's not life or death. 
it'll be there later. It's good. It's fine. And, and it's, and it's, it's ironic because I, I pretty much loathe the platform that is Facebook. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody likes Facebook. The only thing I enjoy it for now are, is the ability to have groups and connection. And, um, I, I joined a lot of different networking groups for my profession, which is a way for us to like help patients find the right services that they need yeah, um, and that. to ask questions about laws that have been passed. Like we just had some new laws passed here and everybody's asking questions about it so that we can all kind of talk to each other. Other than that, like, I don't, I, I don't, it's, it's yeah. just a hot mess for me. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> okay. So the other visual that I got, and maybe this will help some people that are listening. I, I really hope that it does. But when we were talking about the sharing of traumas on social media. I got this, this picture in my head of, you know, you're, you're, there's this, there's somebody that you don't know, a stranger sitting on a park bench, you go up, you start a conversation. Like, would you dump all of your trauma on them and tell them all the details of all the hurt and, you know, all of the just terrible situations or, you know, intimate details and like all of that stuff with somebody that you were that you've just met, you, you barely know their first name because that's what you're doing on social media. When you're telling all of your, just all of the details, you know, if you are somebody that has, uh, miscarried a child, there's, there's other people out there that need to know that they're not alone. And I think that there's a fine line between sharing, you know, like we saw, I think she was, I call, I call, uh, Mo, Mo, what is it? How do you say it? Monet? I call them Mona. That's what I call them on this podcast. Mona, <laughs> N-A-H. Mona. That's what I call them. I call uh, them Hair Loss International. <laughs> even better. Love that for us. Love that for us. Um, but there was a gal in that company that was having a miscarriage and she was, it was either alive or I think she was live and she was actually on the toilet miscarrying. <sighs> And I mean, just this episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. That that's the perfect example. Would you would you sit on this park bench and tell everything to somebody that you don't know? you know, and you, I I feel like people can't see that until they step away from the noise and the chaos of the MLM. And they'll, that's when they realize, wow, I was like, this was, this was a lot. People didn't need to know that, you know, it's also characteristic of people who have underlying vulnerabilities and potential mental health disorders Mm. to be more willing to do those things. And that's the other piece, like I, and in the workbook, I have it kind of looking at what were your vulnerabilities? What were the things that were going on in your life 
that made this possible for you, you know, and, Mm. and unaddressed mental health conditions and neurodivergency is are, are two populations of people that MLMs target like crazy. Mm. And whether it's intentional or not, I know some leaders in some companies, they do it intentionally. I've seen their live training videos where they talk about it. Mm. It's, it, it, it hurts my heart. Um, and and I, I have to tell you, I, I have a special place in my heart for my dislike of prove it. <laughs> because of their targeting of people in addiction recovery. Oh, yes, a hundred percent. That that is absolutely accurate. They definitely do that, and and it might not be the company as a whole, but it is definitely teams that are absolutely targeting the that community for sure. There's um there's a TikTok creator who. Um, this is prove it is now like, I think her third MLM that she's been in. Um, she has a very powerful story up until she was in prove it. The only way that you would know she was in an MLM was to go to her link tree oh. thing. And there would be her, her, you know, go here and shop with me kind of profile for yeah. her MLM business. When she joined prove it. And I know they targeted her because she was a, a top, she's a top influencer on, on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, super powerful story, amazing, a phenomenal woman. And um, they, it, I, all of a sudden it's, she doesn't look like herself yep. and all of a sudden products, she's holding the products in every yeah. video. Yeah. And she looks like a deer in the headlights because she's going against being her authentic self, which is what made her an influencer in the first place. Yeah. And that's what I think is also really important for people listening. If you feel like you've lost who you are, or if people are telling you that you're just so different, um, even just recently, I had a friend that was chatting with me that I hadn't talked to in a little while about anything significant or for a significant period of time. And she's like, you know, I'm, I'm looking at all the stuff that you're doing. And she's like, it makes total sense now. She's like, I never understood why you were in a makeup MLM when you never wore makeup. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I'm like yeah that checks that that definitely checks out and I had another friend tell me like it just didn't feel like you when we would switch topics into product discussion she's like it just yeah. didn't feel like you and I'm like you know those little th- those emotional tearings that would happen for me. And when I would do some of the stuff that my recruiter had suggested that didn't feel good to me, yeah. I would just feel this like tearing in my soul. And, um, one of the best parts about breaking free of all of it is that, um, even as a therapist, there are times when like, I, I drift, I have some underlying mental health stuff. I'm a human, yeah. like things go on. And, um, when I was able to just be more authentic and just be okay with, with who I am. And, and I did a lot of other work during 2020 that was made, the pandemic made it possible for me to do a lot of personal work. Yeah. And I did that work and it was like, oh yeah, this is why I was so ready to sacrifice my authenticity in this moment. This is what my vulnerability looked like. And this is what made it possible. And, and somebody who, and I I've said it on whenever I talk about it and she absolutely hates that I talk about her this way. And I don't care anymore. The person that recruited me is a predator. 
Mm. She's a straight up predator. And, and I can say that with impunity because of watching the patterns of how she recruited people, having multiple people reach out to me after I started sharing my story to tell me that they felt the same way about her that I did. Mm-hmm. And the fact that um, I got the lovely Facebook post about me, vague book post about me on oh. wall after she blocked me, um, but it was screenshotted and sent to me. Um, and, and the fact that she believes that the whole reason I created a YouTube channel and started telling my story was about her. Wow. No, I did all this for me. Yeah. It has nothing. I mean, you're, you're a part of the chapter, (laughs) right? Our stories are so much alike because I allegedly, um, my former leader, wanted to fight me now wants to burn my house down. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, and blocked me sometime last summer or something like that. So yeah, I get that. Um, and I think that's interesting because I know that there are going to be so many people that are like, Oh my gosh. And I, I get the same kinds of messages, especially from people that are leaving the team that I was on and prove it. They're saying the same things. I thought I was alone, you know, this, like they, I was treated the same way and all of this stuff. So thank you for that, because I think that there's a part of us all that we see what's going on. We know it's not right, but for us to say this person is a predator because they're doing these things intentionally for a reason. And that reason could be views. That reason could be the us versus them mentality that they're trying to, to, to have their, their followers pick you're either with me or you're against me. Um, but that's a predator. Yeah. And she openly trains people about how to be predatory. Um, she is somebody who recruits inside of 12 step recovery. Oh my God. She is somebody that recruits inside of grieving mother groups. Oh, um, using her affinity fraud with both of those groups. Um, she is somebody who, and I have some compassion for her because I know what, I know what her story is because mm. she and I were acquainted before all this happened. Um, I have compassion for her, but I also am at that place where you know what you're doing. Yeah. You know exactly what you're doing. And um, she attempted to gaslight me pretty hardcore uh, with some comments on my YouTube videos that I removed to protect her. Mm. That's pretty and, kind uh, of you. You know, well, because I take, I take things like anonymity and confidentiality of people's recovery journeys very, very seriously. I'm very open about my own. Um, and I'm allowed to do that because it's mine. It's yours. Yeah. But I'm not going to let somebody out themselves on my stuff. And, and quite frankly, um, there were some people that I know would have gone after her in a very negative way. Mm. And I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah, I get that. I just, I don't. And, and I love that, you know, there are other anti MLM advocates that are allies that, you know, have no problem being like the backbone for me when I just can't. 
yeah. um, in certain situations, although I'm pretty feisty. Um, <laughs> pretty okay it. with like, whatever. If you don't like me, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but like, it's so cool that I have this community that is willing to stand up for me, even if I don't need them to. Yeah. And sometimes they get very passionate about doing that and they don't do it the way that I would want it to be done. And the other reality is, is that there is, there is hope in my heart that one day this woman will fully understand the impact of what she is doing and come to me with sincere apologies and amends work. Yeah. Um, because my, she left the company, um, while I was still in and went to a different company, took half of her team with her and most of her customers. So she automatically ended up at the top. Yep. Yep. That, that old game, right. <laughs> um, yep. my second upline. So her upline, cause the company does compression. So I immediately went underneath her upline that woman and I still communicate. We are friends on Facebook. She's mm. still in the company. We have this agree to disagree thing going on. She never once treated me poorly when I was on her team. She never pressured me to be anything other than who I was. When I said, yeah, you know, I tried it. This isn't for me. I tried a second time. This isn't for me. She's like, cool. Let me know how I can support your leaving. That's very kind. Right? Yeah. You not the norm. see that a lot in MLMs. I mean, I can also say like, I wasn't a huge producer. So like, I'm sure it, it didn't really matter. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, she and I, she called me actually after I, I had put out some of my original content on my journey. And she just wanted to thank me for, you know, not speaking poorly about her. And I said, you never gave me a reason to speak poorly about you. Yeah. Like, that's just not how this works. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I had told her when she called, I was like, Hey, if you're just going to call and tell me what a terrible person I am, I said, I've already fielded that this week. Like, can we not? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, absolutely not. That is not what I wanted to talk to you about. Aww. And I'm like, okay, cool. And we got together and did a thing for a mutual friend who is going through a really rough time. She put together this, she wanted to, to get some money together to, to do this really cool spa package for our friends and asked me if I could connect her with some other people. Um, and, and we got together and we worked on it together and made it happen. That's awesome. Right. So like, I don't, I don't hate people. I hate the industry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I don't want to say that I, yes, I hate the industry, but I can't really say that I hate, I, I can't even say that I hate the predators in the industry. I don't like them. I don't like what they're doing. I'm going to continue to expose them, but I can't really say like that. I, that I hate them. Well, because it also comes down to the fact that even the people that are at the tippy top of the pyramid of the recruiting pyramid, they're not on the executive team. The yeah. real predators are the executive teams. Yeah. So even the top recruiters, the top sales people, the people that are winning all the awards, the million dollar club, the people that you're supposed to be like, try to be like in these companies they are actually victims of the CEOs and the executive teams. Yeah. And the real money that is funneling out of these companies is into those pockets. And that's why the companies, when the companies close, the top leaders don't have anywhere to go either. Yeah, it's true. The CEOs are taking the money and running. And starting another company. Or not. The, the guy that or shut down Gold Canyon Candles, he's gone. He's done. He's out. Yeah, he closed he, up shop and left. He took that money and he ran. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy, but it's true. 
That's very, very true. So if somebody were listening to this podcast and let's just say that they are starting on their healing journey, one, get this workbook because it's amazing, but two, what kind of advice would you give them? The biggest thing is, is so, and, and I break it down a little bit in the first portion of the workbook and it's, it's the stages of change and how we work through our change process. It's understanding that all of our journeys are going to look different. Um, and it's, it's a, a complete gradient scale. So mm-hmm. a lot of people who have been overly indoctrinated or have done a bunch of different companies and have the same results. Um, and, and feel like everything is hopeless might have a different journey than somebody who was in one for about a year and a half, saw all the crap and decided I'm out. Um, it's very different for somebody who's losing all of their income because they're at the top ish and they realize they don't want to be a part of those organizations anymore. Like they're not losing, they, they didn't, necessarily lose the the pay-in that people at the bottom have lost, but they are now going to lose a significant chunk of their income, especially if they don't have anything else to fall back on. Yeah. Um, It's for me, it's just this idea that, you know, we, and we also need to learn to laugh at ourselves. (laughs) Like we need to be able to laugh at the things that we did and have some self-forgiveness and understand that, you know what, we're all just people. And no matter what your education level, no matter what your previous life experience looks like, anybody can be manipulated if they are caught at the exact right time under the exact right circumstances. Yes. 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 <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying yes, because that's true. I, I think that uh, especially having, I, so I was in for 13 and a half years, I was in multi-level marketing. So there was a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of, how did this happen? How did I, and I could see, I could go right back to those vulnerabilities that you were talking about without even going through your workbook yet. I mean, I'm going to, but um, new mom, you know, so the a whole identity change, mm-hmm. um, financial crisis, you know, uh, turmoil at home because of, of the financial crisis and all of these things. And, you know, that I think that that was where kind of that started for me, but then it just kind of became this, this thing that it just got bigger and bigger and bigger, which made it, made it harder and harder to get out. And one of the reasons that it took me so long to get out was exactly what you said. I was earning a car bonus. How am I going to get out of this when I have a a car payment, you know, that the car was branded for, I mean, it was branded for me, but it also had prove it and and different things on there. So how do you get out of that? You know? And so, yeah, um, that's, that's super powerful. And it's important to remember, especially like for people who have been around it for a long time, right? It doesn't, it, 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 it's like erosion. If you've ever been to the California coastline in San Diego and you walk along the beaches um, in like Oceanside and, and Mission Beach, you can see where the ocean has been wearing away at the coastline. Like you can visually see it. Um, but the only way that you would know that that has been happening 
is if you have a before and after photo from like 10 years ago, mm. because erosion happens slowly. It's a little bit of sand here, a couple of rocks there. It doesn't happen. They don't ask you to completely overhaul your personality. They ask you to do one thing. Mm. And if you are willing to do that one thing, that means that they can get you to say yes to another thing. And they start to isolate you from other people. And if you're already isolated, that's a vulnerability all in and of itself. I just want community. And here's somebody who thinks I'm amazing. Let, let's just go over here and see what shakes loose. Even if I just want to bask in the compliments for five minutes. Yeah. Right. It, it all happens slowly. And before we know it, we are a completely different person than we thought we ever could be. And our value systems take a huge hit. And that's one of the things that I have people explore in the workbook is mm -hmm. what are your values? Those haven't changed. So the value of being a parent, the value of being a strong, independent woman, the value of, you know, wanting to be good at something or have something of your own, you know, what does those things don't go away. Yeah. That's what we get back to. And what's a way that I can legitimately live up to those values that doesn't hurt me or other people. Yeah. That's powerful. <laughs> <laughs> because when you're in an MLM, what's the only value that you have? Money. Yeah, and achievement. But the achievement is all based off of money. True. Even when we go to the the income disclosure statement, you know, when we talk to people about success, the only thing that the reason why we hammer that over and over and over and over again, and why one of the first things I have on the workbook is all about the financials. If you're not running a full financial profile on yourself, like yes. you need to do that because it becomes the only thing that matters inside of not just MLM, but hustle culture. Yes. Like, you know what? I, I drive a almost 10 year old Jeep Grand Cherokee that is broke down. <laughs> that's got stickers all over it, but it's mine. But it's yours and it brings you joy. Uh, it gets me from where I need to go. Yeah. And it's big enough that I can haul stuff and it's big enough for a car seat. Perfection. Right. Like it's got milk stains all over the back seat. It's usually got <laughs> snacks trapped in random places, like whatever, um, you know, like it is what it is. Yeah. My ha I, I live in a very blue collar working class neighborhood and people would be like, oh, well, you're poor. No, I own my home. Yeah. I own my home in a market that honestly, my house is appreciated to the point where most people can't even afford the neighborhood I live in. Yeah. Which is really kind of sad because it was supposed to be for regular people. I live here because we don't have an HOA. Mm -hmm. oh, I get that. We have an HOA. <laughs> it's really hard to find good neighborhoods that are safe in the yeah. Phoenix metro area that don't have an HOA. Mm -hmm. I don't like other people telling me what to do with my house. Yeah. I bought it. You don't get to tell me what I'm doing with it. Yeah, I get that. Like, that's just how I feel. I'm, it's my Midwest thing coming up, right? Y'all like, should I, see how sassy she just got on video. I know y'all can't see it, but she, it, it was like the neck thing. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> shop at thrift stores. I buy most of my clothes at like Target. I, you know, cause I want to live my life and I want yeah. to show my daughter experiences. Like I tell people like the best way to describe who I am as a human and why I don't care about possessions is because, okay. So I have, I have two cats. Mm -hmm. Same. I adopted I adopted these two little kittens. They're litter mates. Um, my couch looks like I own cats. I get it. 
I, sh- I, I probably should get a new couch because there's part of it that's kind of breaking a little bit. It's older, it's whatever, but I don't want to get a new couch because I have two cats. You have two cats. Yeah. And if I buy a new couch and I have two cats and they destroy that couch, I will be very upset. Um, I'm going to be upset. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have a dog who he's a pit bull and pit bulls have a special smell. <laughs> God love them. Um, and he, he lays on my couch. I don't yeah. want to buy a brand new couch and in, in, in 30 days have it smell like pit bull. Yeah. I'm good. Even with baths. So people that are like, bathe your dog. Trust me. It doesn't matter. As soon as I bathe and he goes around and rolls out in the dirt, it, it is what it is. It's what yeah. they do. Yeah. <laughs> Short hairs have a very special smell. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just their biology. But like, I, and I have a six-year-old. Why would I get new furniture with a small child? Yeah, please That's don't. That's ridiculous. I, I mean, even before, right before we jumped on this call and I was trying to get her into bed, um, she's up a little later than normal because she slept all afternoon because she's sick. And um, yeah. she like uh, fell over and knocked over an entire cup of water all over my my coffee table. Yeah. Like, why would I get a new couch? <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I'll get a couch cover. I'll cover it with blankets. And if you are that concerned about what I have in my house, then you don't need to come tells, over. Right. And that tells me a lot about you. Exactly. And for me, for me, the other piece of this is, is how do I define success? Mm. Right? Do I define success by awards? Do I define success by the amount of money in my bank account? Or do I define success by being as authentically genuine of a person as I can be mm. every single day of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Makes total sense. Because you leave a much bigger legacy for the people in your world when you impact them positively and inspire them to be their authentic selves than you do by just leaving them a pile of money. Yeah. That's so true. Powerful, powerful stuff. I think we should end this here because that's like an exclamation point right there. Yes. Boom. Yes. <laughs> Mic drop. I'm done. Seriously. <laughs> get this woman a drink. <laughs> um, this was incredible. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm going to put all of your, I'm going to put the link to your book, your workbook, all of your social media stuff, um, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all of the things I'm going to put that in the, the show notes so that everybody can connect with you. If you're okay with that. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you are doing incredible things and I am going to make a promise to you because I've been looking at this and I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to go through this workbook Mm -hmm. and thank you for putting it out because it is helping so many people. So you guys, for those of you that are listening, Regardless of where you're at in your MLM journey, you know, whether you are still in it, because I know that there's a lot of people that are still listening that are, are part of an MLM and trying to figure out the way out, or you have left, or you have, you know, recently left, or you have left a long time ago, there's still healing to be done. Get the workbook, go through it. I'm sure that Megan would love to hear from you guys. Um, on all of the little things she was just, before we got on here, she was just asking for feedback after I go through it. So let's give her some feedback and, 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 uh, in the, in the process we get to heal, which is pretty cool. So thank you for being here. I appreciate you keep up the amazing work. You're an incredible human. And, uh, for those of you that are listening, thank you for listening. If you would please go follow Megan on all of the things 
interact with her because I know she loves that. Um, get her workbook. And if you don't mind, leave me a five-star review. If you loved this podcast, I'm really excited about how this podcast is transforming and how it's helping people heal, which has been my theme for quite some time. So uh, again, Megan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for listening. My name is Aaron Bees, and I will see you on the next podcast. Bye everybody.